going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I'm your host. As always, I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, long time no see. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, man. It's been a while, but what we did see each other last week. It's just we we didn't see each other over the air last yes. week. It was it was a different kind of seeing you. Yeah, I guess we uh, actually saw each other, and that's the difference <laughs> that we you know most of the times recording over the phone. So uh, yeah, it was good to see you. Obviously, uh, my wedding was fantastic. Everything that I had hoped for and could have asked for, and you were a fantastic best man. So. Uh, I think everyone in, in, in our family had, had a great time. I, I second that. I think it was a fantastic weekend. It was good to see everyone. Good to see all the family members getting together and, and friends. So it, it was a great time. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it is definitely good to be back talking some Cleveland sports. And uh, a lot has happened. Obviously, the, a lot will happen when you take a two-week break. And we'll start uh, since we are now entering the MLB midseason break for the All-Star weekend. Or excuse me, not weekend, but All-Star week. Uh, we'll start with the announcement that the Indians have five selections to this year's All-Star game, including uh, its first starter since 2001 in Jose Ramirez, and then Francisco Lindor, Michael Brantley, Andrew Miller, and Corey Kluber uh, all getting named as reserves for the American League roster. Uh, Chris, five All-Stars, that's an impressive lineup. What what are you making of the selections here? Well, first off, very impressive that five guys got in. I would say of the five, Michael Brantley's probably the most surprising. Not that he's undeserving, but, but I thought he was kind of on the borderline of whether or not he'd be an All-Star. Uh, generally, out of a corner outfielder, you want to see a little bit more than five home runs. And so I felt that that, that might not be enough to get him there. So all, obviously good to see him in the game. Uh, Francisco Lindor being named, even though by his standards, he's kind of having a bit of a down year batting average wise, had a rough June, but still the power has been there from Lindor more than we expected. But but the man, it all centers around is Jose Ramirez. I mean, what, what can you say about this guy? He gets voted in the all-star game. Fans rallied to get him in there on the last day. Uh, the guy has become just such a joy to watch because he can play almost everywhere. Now he, they they play him at third, but he can play anywhere uh, on the diamond. Uh, so much fun to watch in the field, and his bat is just on fire. It's like this is the guy you want at the plate in every clutch situation. He can hit righties, lefties. He's a switch hitter. He doesn't look big, but he can hit for power. He can drive in runs, tons of extra base hits. Uh, the guy is having an MVP caliber year through the first half. And, and if he keeps this up, he is going to be one of the three finalists uh, for that award. Uh, so certainly extremely deserving for Ramirez. And, and both arms deserving too. Corey Kluber is, is been one of the American League's best pitchers for the last three years. And Andrew Miller, I mean, really, what more can we say? The guy is just the definition of a lights-out reliever. So all, all deserving, I, I will say. I was surprised to see Brantley made the cut, but obviously very happy to see him there too. Yeah, for, for sure. I think uh, none of these guys are, are a surprise. I mean, Jose Ramirez played his way into into that starting role and is absolutely deserving of that. Um, Corey Kluber, Andrew Miller, and Francisco Lindor, you know, these are the stars of the World Series run. 
uh, last postseason for, for the Indians. So it's not surprising to see um, them included on this all-star lineup just for posterity's sake and, and, and deserving again, they, they have had really good years, uh, really good seasons so far. Um, the Michael Brantley one, I agree is the most surprising one. Obviously I'm not going to say no to, to a fifth all-star on this Cleveland lineup. Um, you know, looking at the other candidates in, in the outfield, it, it really came down to, you know, the American League has lots of talent, but it doesn't seem to be focused so much in the outfield. So why not add Michael Brantley, who has been probably uh, the Indians' second most consistent bat uh, in, in the lineup in, in the AL Central leading uh, Cleveland Indians lineup. So um, I think that's where that's coming from. Um, but it, it is fantastic that all five of these guys are in there. Um, Chris Corey Kluber, uh, named to the all-star roster, Carlos Carrasco was not, uh, I think Carlos Carrasco had a better first half than Corey Kluber. Um, are you surprised that they went with Kluber instead of Carrasco? Yeah, I, I, I think Carlos Carrasco got a raw deal. I think he should have been named to the all-star roster. There are only four guys in the American league with 10 wins and the other three are all-stars. Uh, Carlos Carrasco's ERA and whip is superior to that of Chris Archer. He has three more wins than Chris Archer. I know Chris Archer strikes out a lot of guys, but it's not like Carlos Carrasco doesn't. He has more strikeouts than inning pitch, though Archer has more. Uh, I, I think that is where uh, Carlos Carrasco kind of got robbed. There were some other guys who were right there with Carrasco, but their strikeout numbers were superior. Uh, I, I do think Carrasco should have been in over Chris Archer, and it wouldn't have mattered because the Tampa Bay Rays still had another all-star on the roster, so you could have switched those two guys out. Look, I like Chris Archer. He's on my fantasy team. He's a very good pitcher, but Carlos Carrasco had, a much, I, I believe, a superior first half uh, than he did. So, so, yes, I do believe Carrasco was snubbed. Yeah, I think if you're ranking them, for, for sure, uh, Carrasco got the snub. Um, it's hard for me to believe that the Indians could have pushed it to six or seven All-Stars on this roster. So I think if you're talking about Carlos Carrasco, you'd probably have to swap out Corey Kluber. And then you're you're really ha- going to have to dive into those numbers and analyze it. And, and you could make the argument that Carrasco had a better first half than Corey Kluber. Uh, likewise with Cody Allen, uh, the, the bona fide closer. Uh, for the Indians not included on this roster due in part probably because uh, of Andrew Miller's versatility and just his brand name recognition and the fact that Andrew Miller has had uh, a fantastic first half if not better than Cody Allen but what do you think about Cody Allen not being there I actually don't have a problem with it because I compared him to some of the other relievers on the team and honestly I think he could have made the team but I didn't see a glaring omission you know what I mean like someone who really deserved it or didn't deserve it more than he did. I think that it was a very competitive category. Andrew Miller is the superior overall reliever. That's no knock on Cody Allen. He's still one of the best in the American League. Andrew Miller's just better. And the guys who got named to the All-Star team are right up there with Cody Allen. So I don't think Cody Allen got robbed. I do think Carlos Carrasco did. I do have a problem with Chris Archer being on this All-Star team. As good as his first half was, and I'm not saying he's not the ace of the Rays or one of the best pitchers in the American League, uh, Carrasco just just had a better season. I didn't see that as much um, with Cody Allen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, looking at these five All-Stars, uh, I see we have one first-round draft pick in Francisco Lindor. We have Jose Ramirez, who who is signed as an international player from Dominican Republic. 
Uh, we have two guys acquired uh, as prospects in trades in, in Michael Brantley and Corey Kluber. Uh, and then we have Andrew Miller, who was acquired in, uh, in a trade last year, who is already a fantastic uh, bona fide player. So four of those five guys spent times in the Indians minor league developing before being called up. Uh, Chris, you know, this has been a long time coming for the Indians. We've traded away two Cy Young winners to get here, multiple all-stars uh, deconstructed two teams essentially to get this current Indians roster has the weight finally paid off and are the Indians here to stay and compete for, for the next few years? And are you, is this vindicating for, uh, that near decade long, uh, drought uh, of playoff success for the Indians? Yes. Quite vindicating, uh, because, <laughs> uh, you know, 2007 was the last time the Indians had a really great team prior to last year, of course. Uh, they that was a team that that could have won the World Series. They were up three one, and everyone knew the winner of that Red Sox Indian series was was going to beat Colorado. The Red Sox went on to sweep them, so you can make the case that 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 year was the last great Cleveland Indians team before 2016. Now I know they went to the wild card in 2013, first year with uh, Terry Francona, very nice you know opening statement. But you didn't have the sense that that 2013 team was set up for sustained success. Because, and, and even in 2007, you didn't really get the sense that that team was set up for sustained success. There were some good guys on that team, but there weren't a lot of guys that were just bubbling up from the, from the farm system. Over the last you know three or four years, we have seen guys like Lindor, Ramirez, uh, Salazar. Last year it was Tyler Naquin. This year, it's Bradley Zimmer. Come up and have success from the farm system. You dip down into Columbus and you see guys like uh, Giovanni Urshela. Heck, Tyler Naquin's down there. He finished third in Rookie of the Year voting last year. Uh, you, you dip down into the minors and you still see guys who are young and pro-ready and, and, and you get the sense that they're going to contribute to this team for a long time. You know, Mike Clevenger, another guy this year who's come up. Uh, last year got a taste of the bigs, but has come up and played a key role. And their their, their pitching staff overall is, is relatively young, save for maybe Josh Tomlin. I guess what I'm trying to say here is this team has been built through drafting, making shrewd trades and, and developing players that maybe were undervalued and bringing them up through the farm system. And it's happening every year. You know, you, every year there's a new guy coming up from Columbus making an impact on this roster. And it's happened now the last four years in a row. This is how you build sustained success. This is, how, this is the beginning of what the San Francisco Giants did for five years. Of what the St. Louis Cardinals did for about nine years. This is the beginning of that. When you get every year a new guy coming up from the minor leagues to make an impact, that is how you build sustained success. And and I think it's extremely exciting to be a Cleveland Indians fan right now because they went out and got a guy in Encarnacion for four years. That's a big money contract that tells me this Cleveland Indians team thinks it's going to be there for a while. And I hope it's true. I hope that they are there for a while. I hope... 
that they can get to multiple World Series. And, and I know I'm setting the bar very high, but but Bob, when you look at this team, what it has offensively, defensively, a deep bullpen, a solid rotation with two bona fide aces and a bunch of guys who maybe are a little inconsistent, but they're still really good. This is a team that could be around for a while, and I think it's exceptionally exciting to see not only guys play well, but to see them play well after developing in the system, being developed by a team, and and, and you still got them locked up for a long time because they're young and on good value contracts. So yeah, there's great reason to be excited here for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, for sure. You know, we we went through essentially two rebuilds, right? Uh, 2001, Mark Shapiro is hired by the Dolans, goes through a rebuild, and 2007 hits, and we thought that we were going to experience some sustained success. Uh, like you said, this that was an Indians team that could have won the World Series, uh, and if they played a little bit better in, in the first half of the subsequent season, uh, they might have kept some of those key players intact, such as CeCe Sabathia and Cliff Lee. Um, but they went into uh, another rebuild, um, and, and that was probably the most frustrating, disappointing part is that after one year, we got such a great taste of, of postseason baseball and success, uh, and then we had to tear it all down again just to, to rebuild it back up, uh, and it was a long rebuild. It, I, you know, they, I, I thought they were onto something uh, with Nick Swisher and, and Michael Bourne four years ago in that a wild card season that you alluded to, but again, they just needed some more time. And now it seems like they finally have hit something where uh, it's not just a flash in the plan. They have reliable uh, guys in development year in and year out, as you said, guys that are coming up uh, and, and providing meaningful impact uh, in, in their rookie season and are sticking around. It's fantastic to see. Um, it's really exciting. I, I'm really really looking forward to the next couple of years of Indians baseball. Um, that being said, Chris, uh, overall it's vindicating for, for everybody. Uh, what are you making of the Dolans now? Uh, Cause this is a, an ownership group that has essentially had three general managers uh, under them during their ownership period. Mark Shapiro, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff all from the same system and really just inheriting the job uh, once the next guy leaves or gets promoted to a new position. Uh, that's really good consistency from the Dolans. Finally, they uh, shelled out a, a huge contract to Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, are you feeling like the, that this is, uh, in, in terms of vindication, really vindicating for the Dolan family? Well, yeah, I definitely think it's vindicating for them. Uh, first off, it doesn't feel like Mark Chernoff is our GM. It feels like Chris Antonetti still runs the show because he's the president of basketball, or excuse me, baseball operations. We're going to talk about it basketball guy in a minute but uh like like when Mark Shapiro moved up to president it still felt like he was kind of running the show and Antonetti was kind of the second in command I I still feel like there's only been two uh even though Mike Chernoff is technically the general manager of this team um I I definitely think that there's been a philosophical shift since Shapiro left for Toronto uh you've noticed that in the year and a half since they have been a little bit more aggressive they went out and tried to make three big deals at the deadline. Um, one of them fell through for Lucroy. Turned out to probably be a blessing in disguise. Um, they went out and signed the biggest free agent contract in this franchise's history. So, so this version of the front office, minus Shapiro, has been a little more aggressive than in years past. Now, I don't know whether that's timing or philosophy, but but I think that that's an interesting point. Uh, but back to the Dolans. 
yes, I think that they are absolutely vindicated. I think that that World Series appearance is exactly what they needed to be vindicated because, Bob, it didn't matter what the name of the owner was, whoever bought that team from Dick Jacobs after that 99 run uh, was going to be painted in a very bad light because they were going to be the ones branded the No Fun Club. They, I mean, it, it, that that roller coaster was coming to an end. All those guys were about to hit free agency, and the Indians just couldn't pay. And it didn't matter if Dick Jacobs sold the team or not. The reality sunk in in 2002, and there was nothing anyone. I don't care if George Steinbrenner owned the team. Uh, it doesn't matter how rich you are. The television money is the local television money is what drives up the payrolls in LA and New York. And that 90s team wasn't going to stay together. And so the Dolans were the unfortunate owners who bought the team right after a high and had to be the bad guys for a while. And they have been the bad guys in Cleveland's eyes for a very long time. And I think unfairly long time because people say they're cheap. No, they paid for Travis Hafner. They signed Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne. They have opened the checkbook. They just haven't spent the money very wisely in the past. This time around, you, you've got this organic farm system product, and that is how those 90s teams were built. They weren't built in free agency. They grew their guys. If you're the Cleveland Indians, it has to start there. And then when you have the foundation, you can go out and get an Edwin Encarnacion and supplement it to put you over the top. But but I love the fact that there's finally a focus on the farm system. And I love the fact that the continuity is paying off. And I love the fact that that after so many years, the Dolans can finally get out of this, you know, sort of penny pinching stigma feel that that Cleveland's placed on them I think it's great and and I'm glad that we're finally going a season without complaining about ownership or anything like that we're just enjoying great baseball and 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 and, and we're flying high here in Cleveland yeah for sure I I, again I I think it's really good to see that um though I think you put it the best at, at the end there it's great that we're just focusing on baseball not complaining about uh the ownership group anymore I think uh, the Dolans being cheap uh, was a little bit unfair of a moniker, though. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you summarized it best. You know, people were, are ex- still thinking of the Indians and they expect those 90s teams, and that's just not how uh, the, the MLB works, especially in the market that Cleveland is in. Um, so it's been a fantastic first half for sure for the Indians. Uh, Chris, they, they even got on Sunday night baseball. Finally, they, they played, uh, the, the last game uh, of the, the season before the all-star break against Detroit, uh, just last night on Sunday night baseball. Uh, they ended up losing that game, but it was a good matchup. Corey Kluber versus Michael Fulmer. Um, Chris, is it a big deal that the Indians aren't being featured on Sunday night baseball a whole lot? Does it matter, uh, that that the Indians aren't getting that kind of exposure. Yes, it does to me. I, I, I look, Sunday night baseball is not Monday night football, but it is still a big primetime game. And the fact that garbage teams last year, like the Yankees, now I know the Yankees are good this year, but they were garbage last year, get more Sunday night games than the Cleveland Indians, who were essentially one out away from winning the World Series, is ridiculous. 
ridiculous that it took this long to put the World Series runner-up on primetime, on your biggest stage. They should have gotten a Sunday night baseball game almost every single month. I have to watch the Cubs and the Dodgers and the garbage Giants on Sunday night baseball every single week, it seems. The Cleveland Indians were the second best team in baseball, one swing away, one almost Jason Kipnis home run that sailed just foul in the bottom of the ninth of Game 7 of the World Series away from being world champions. They should have had multiple Sunday night baseball games by now. It is utterly ridiculous that this team had to wait this long to get their turn in the spotlight. There were a bunch of other garbage teams that have multiple sports Sunday Night Baseball appearances. They were garbage last year, too. So don't tell me you didn't know this or that. Cleveland Indians got robbed by the schedule makers. And and I believe this is their only scheduled Sunday Night Baseball appearance of the year. Ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. ESPN and baseball should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, it, it is insulting that the Indians aren't featured on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, it, it's disappointing. Um, like you said, that most of the time it's going to feature one of those large market teams. Um, and, you know, I, I know you threw out a lot of garbage teams, but the Dodgers are having a fantastic season. I just want you no, to no, make no. sure you're aware I, I, of that. I didn't say the Dodgers were garbage. I didn't say that. And, and they were good last year. Yeah. They were good last year. Yeah. I just well, used them sand- as a You sandwiched them in between two two garbage teams. So I just wanted to make sure yeah. we're not trashing on the Dodgers because they, they do have the best record in all MLB right now. I, I, you're right. <laughs> I, I threw them in there. I, I, did, I, I did not throw them in there as a garbage team. I threw them in there as a big market team. Uh, so, no, no. I did, not, I, did, I did not mean to say the Dodgers were garbage. Yeah. Well, I think the best point that you made is that uh, Sunday Night Baseball is by no means Monday Night Football. Uh MLB baseball is is essentially a regional sport. Uh, I can't imagine a lot of people tuning into random games for for, for good matchups. Um, that's just how the the league is right now in, in terms of ratings and, and watching. It, it's definitely more the the local areas tuning into their team. Um, and when you look in that and that light, uh, it just it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have the Indians on Sunday night baseball. But again, as a fan of the Cleveland Indians who are in the midst of their second straight great season, uh, are, are the best team in the American League Central, it is upsetting and insulting that they aren't being featured uh, on baseball's biggest stage uh, television-wise. Yeah, and, and again, like Monday Night Football and even Sunday Night Football are much bigger sta- deals in football than, than Sunday Night Baseball is in, in baseball. But I do think that that Sunday Night Baseball is the biggest platform of the regular season in baseball. And I do think uh, more people will tune into that game than maybe just an average game. And so, so I do think the Indians have been denied a significant chance to play on, on a national stage. And quite frankly, they're right up there with, with all these other great teams Um I'm just sick and tired of seeing teams that don't belong based on last year's standings and and not the Cleveland Indians. I'm not asking for them every week, but they should have had at least two or three appearances on this stage by now. And, and it's just unfortunate that um, nobody thought to, to put them up there. Why not put the Indians and the Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball? That was a good... I mean, everyone was picking the Red Sox to sweep the Indians last year, and the Indians turned the table on them. So... I, I guess the point is, you know, I don't understand why the Indians were denied the baseball's biggest stage until now. Yeah. No, again, it, it's disappointing and insulting for sure. 
Um, well, let's actually talk about some Indians baseball and, and the results on the field. Uh, you know, a lot of games have been played since we last recorded. Uh, we're going all the way back to June 23rd uh, for, for to, to start the, this recap, though. Uh, so starting off with with the they, they got swept by the Twins, very disappointing. Uh, they won the series against the Rangers, won a series against Detroit. They won both series against Detroit, really, uh, and then lost two out of three. Uh, from the San Diego Padres. So, Chris, what are, what are you making from uh, those 17 games, or 16, because Detroit got rained out uh, for one of those? Uh, what's your takeaway from, from this stretch? Overall positive, I would have liked to see them win the San Diego series and, and at least win one against the Twins. I mean, Obviously, those two series were very disappointing. Uh, one, there's no shame in losing to the Twins right now because they're only two and a half games out, but you can't get swept at home by the Twins. Come on, man. At least win one of those games. And to lose a series to San Diego, who truly is a garbage team this year, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, it was a little embarrassing. But they did take care of business against Detroit, winning four out of six with yet another rainout. They had to play a doubleheader to make up a rainout. Then they have now have another rainout to make up later on. So uh, hopefully they'll finally get to play all their games against Detroit at some point. Um yeah. And and they, they seem to own Texas. I mean, they beat them up in the first series of the year, and then they took three out of four from them. So so that was another big sign. Um, you know, the Rangers, obviously, a team trying to uh, to contend in a in a division that's going to go to the Houston Astros. But but uh, you know, Texas was a playoff team last year, and, and I'm sure they're going to be flirting with a playoff spot this year. So a quality series win there. I, I would say the most disappointing though would be the Minnesota one. Uh, getting swept by a team you just kind of turned the screws against and then they took first place right back coming into your place. Uh, I, I would have liked to see them take that series and, and just kind of exert some dominance over the Central. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, they got swept uh, and they got outscored 13-2 to in that series at home, as you said. That, that's really embarrassing. Um, even a, a blown save loss by Cody Allen uh, thrown in there. So uh, really disheartening uh, that series in, in particular. Uh, but overall, again, it, it's good. You know, they lost control of the Central after that sweep, but they've regained it. They have a two-and-a-half game lead against the Twins, and I think that they uh, definitely pushed the, the Tigers uh, out of the picture for, for the time being uh, in that AL Central race, which is always good to hear because the Tigers uh, have had a, a long-standing grip on the American League Central. I think the Indians are, have pushed them out of – the spotlight for a little bit. Yeah, Detroit might be sellers. I mean, the the losing both those series may have cemented Detroit as sellers. You know, yeah. going, going two and four against the division leader with a couple weeks to go to the trade deadline. That that those are the kind of series that make you say, okay, we're about to sell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but overall, again, uh, a fantastic first half for the Indians. Five All Stars, uh, forty-seven and forty, uh, entering the All Star break. Two and a half game lead on the AL Central. Uh, all good things for the Cleveland Indians, and hopefully uh, they'll only get better and, and heat up uh, as we head into the postseason. Uh, but for now, uh, we will head into some news here. Uh, so, Chris, Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, for every 10 non stories and rumors, there is a piece of actual news for, for, for the Cavaliers, and they have signed Jeff Green and, and Jose Calderon. Uh, to to their roster for the 2018 season. Jeff Green will be a backup small forward. Jose Calderon, a uh, backup point guard. Both of them over the age of 30, making the, the Cavaliers even older. Uh, what are you making of those two moves? 
typical moves. I mean, look, I know everyone wants the Cavs to get younger and more athletic, and, and that's great, but, but young athletic guys don't hit the free agent market cheap, and the Cavs don't have any money or draft picks, so I don't know how they're going to do that without making a trade. And look, this is about as good as it gets. You know, Jeff Green is a solid wing off the bench. Jose Calderon, serviceable backup point guard, but I don't know why everyone in Cleveland has these sky-high expectations for free agency because look at the financial realities. They're not going to get those young athletic guys. They're going to get overpaid to be role players somewhere else by a team with cap space. So, uh, again, you know, I know everyone wants the Cavs to get younger and more athletic off the bench, but it's a lot easier said than done. And and I just when you're in the cap situation the Cavs are in, it's going to be very tough. But I, I like both these moves. I, I think they will help with the depth. I think Jeff Green, familiar with Ty Lue from their Boston days, uh, certainly a guy you want off your bench. Probably not a guy you want starting, but but certainly a guy who can help you off the bench. Yeah, for sure. Uh, both these moves mark uh, the door closing on Derek Williams and Darren Williams returning essentially. Uh, Green is going to replace Derek Williams on this roster, and Darren Williams is going, or excuse me, Calderon will replace Darren Williams uh, on the roster. I would rather have Darren Williams than, than Jose Calderon, but I don't think it's going to make that big a difference with uh, Kyrie and, and LeBron dominating the ball, handling duties. Uh, they don't need a, a, a backup point guard like some other teams uh, need a backup point guard. Uh, and then Derek Williams uh, showed flashes, but has just been unreliable. Jeff Green is definitely a, a better basketball player than Derek Williams, can score uh, a lot easier than Derek Williams, and, and is just as good a, a defender and athletic as Derek Williams. So I think that's a bit of an upgrade, a, a new tool for, for the Cavs to to play with uh, in, in their rotation. And it's also insurance in case Richard Jefferson, who's coming back for another season uh, two years after saying he was going to retire um insurance for him because he is getting up there in age as well uh and then uh in terms of moves that that weren't made for the Cavs, uh they came really close to signing jamal crawford uh rumors that crawford reached out to lebron and crawford wanted to come to the Cavs. uh ultimately signed a two-year deal with the minnesota timberwolves uh chris do, do you wish jamal crawford was added to this roster do I wish? Yeah, because I think he's a good, versatile kind of combo guard who can come off the bench and give you some scoring. Uh, was it necessary to sign him? No, I think the Cavs are deep enough and, and good enough. Uh, kudos to Minnesota for winning the offseason. I think the Timberwolves have significantly improved their roster, and I, I'm expecting big things out of them, to tell you the truth. I, I think Minnesota is going to take a significant step forward, and if everything goes planned, uh, Bob, they, they've got a really good team, at least on the starting five. Uh, Gorgie Dang, Jeff Teague as your fourth and fifth best options, and Jamal Crawford off the bench. Uh, Minnesota could be a team that really takes a significant step forward this year. So kudos to them for getting Jamal Crawford because I think it's only going to help them, especially having a, a strong veteran in the locker room like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, big expectations for the, uh, the Timberwolves last season, uh, and they fell short of that. Uh, now I, I think the Timberwolves have to make some noise, at least make the postseason this year, because uh, there's too much talent on that team uh, for them not to, even in a, in a stacked Western Conference. Uh, and Jamal Crawford only makes those expectations uh, more apparent. In terms of the, the Cavs, uh, it would have been more of the same, an, an older shooting guard that, that is more of a microwave player that can come off the bench and score. That's exactly what Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith can, can contribute. Jamal Crawford at, at this 
stage in his career isn't known for his defensive play so that you don't you're not getting younger or more athletic defensively uh, by bringing him in but that guy can can certainly score in in, in buckets full uh, so it would have been nice to have him around I think it would have made uh, moving Amon Shumpert uh, easier if, if they were gonna swing a trade somehow but um, it, it, more of the same if they brought Jamal Crawford in so I'm not making a big deal that he didn't sign with the Cavs let me just say this right now if the Minnesota Timberwolves missed the playoffs this year, it will be an unmitigated disaster. That that is that would just right. be a disaster of monumental proportions. There is no yep. reason why that team shouldn't at least make the playoffs. I'm expecting bigger things, but that would just be one of the biggest letdowns of all time. Yep, for sure. Uh but they, they didn't make it last season, so I, I have to you know wait and see with them. But I am expecting them to make the postseason. It, it would, like you said, a huge disaster if they didn't. Um, zooming out, though, to some of the Cavs' rivals, uh, making some free agency moves. Gordon Hayward, one of the few stars uh, moving from west to east, uh, announcing that he is going to sign with the Boston Celtics uh, with a max contract extension. Uh, that pulled the trigger on an Avery Bradley to Detroit pistons trade uh, in order to clear some space for the celtics so chris what are, what are you making with uh the, the celtics signing gordon hayward uh is this worrying for, for a cavaliers fan i certainly think Cavs fans should be concerned because boston had a really good team last year they were the number one team in the eastern conference but if you look at what the Cavs did to them in the eastern conference finals beat them by a huge margin of victory in four out of five games and honestly outplayed them for 19 out of 20 quarters uh, I don't think G- Gordon Hayward closes the gap that much, but he certainly makes them a better team. There's no denying that. And he certainly, I mean, the, you, you, you're right now your biggest rival in the East just got better. So, yeah, it's concerning, but I don't think it's enough to get Boston past Cleveland. Though Boston, as we keep saying, has all these assets and, and there's been a lot of player movement. So one... Again, wouldn't surprise me if there's another ace up the sleeve, uh, but they will need more than just Gordon Hayward to to truly make me fear them. I do think they will be a tougher out this year if they run into each other in the playoffs, but uh, this move in and of itself I don't think is enough to make them serious title contenders. Yeah, uh, they're better for sure. Gordon Hayward is an all-star and, and is has only improved, uh, and, and he'll take off a, a lot of scoring duties that, that is I. Isaiah Thomas uh, sometimes single-handedly did for, for the Celtics. I think that's fantastic. The loss of Bradley, though, one of the best two-way guards uh, in the league, I don't think should be overlooked. I, I do think that the Celtics are worse off defensively uh, without Bradley plus Hayward. Uh, also, uh, Gordon Hayward, we, we expected this move just because of the Brad Stevens connection and, and Gordon Hayward seeking... Looks like he was on his way out in Utah. We were expecting that move. Uh, everybody was also expecting an additional move. But now that the, the Celtics are above the cap, uh, Paul George and Jimmy Butler are in new homes for, for next season, so they're off the table. I mean, I was expecting more from the Celtics. And, and Gordon Hayward, again, uh, I agree with you. that they, they are certainly better than, than last season with him on the team. But 
uh, th- they needed to make some serious moves to compete with the Cavs, and, and this is not it. Uh, no, this is the first part. I, I, I agree with you. This is not it. If they want to compete with the Cavs, they have to make another move. And, and I do agree with you that there, there were trades that could have been made. We, we can rehash them, but, but there's no point in me. We saw DeMarcus Cousins get moved and, and all that stuff, uh, just to add to the two you already mentioned. But, I mean, Boston still has a lot of good young players that people covet, and they still have draft picks that people covet. Uh, you know, between now and the trade deadline, there could be a trade that's made. I know they're over the cap now, but that doesn't prohibit them from trading for another star player. And, and crazy things have happened, man. I mean, nobody saw Pau Gasol getting traded for what he got traded for midseason when the Lakers used that move to push their way to an NBA Finals. And so, uh, you know, Mark Gasol down in Memphis, there's been rumblings, maybe. Again, I, I try not to get into the rumor mill in the NBA because it's like, you know, it's just like you, you spend your time trying to figure out whether or not things are real or not. Uh, more often than not, but but the point is, I guess the overarching point is, is Boston got Hayward and they still have a lot of assets that they could trade with. Um, if this is the first part of a bigger plan, then yeah, I'll be worried. But but until that plan materializes, uh, I have to agree with you, and, and and I'm not too worried about the Boston Celtics as far as a threat to win the East. I think it's the Cavs' playground, and everyone else is just fighting for room. Yeah, I'm. The more the more we talk about the Celtics, the more I'm inclined to say that they aren't going to pull the trigger on a big move and are just going to wait out LeBron. But uh, we'll see. And, and again, I, I I agree with you. Crazy things happen in the NBA. Uh, general managers make some really weird moves. Uh, the Celtics could uh, make some serious moves and, and improve drastically. Uh, in addition to Gordon Hayward, uh, almost overnight, uh, just in terms of the way the NBA works. One last thing, though. Uh, I know it would be an in-division trade, but don't sleep on Carmelo. For sure. He, uh, he, but he, you'd have to dump massive amounts of, of salary to to get him at this point. But, yeah, I, I agree. He wants to stay local, and that would be relatively local. And It's an in-division trade, so that would be tough. That I, I'd have a hard time seeing the Knicks trading Carmelo to the Celtics. But Boston does have the most assets, and... Crazier things have happened in the NBA. Let's just say that. For sure. For sure. Um, well, let's look at uh, the Cavs' biggest rival out west, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, re-signing everybody and even adding to it, Sean Livingston, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry. Uh, they brought in Nick Young as well to the roster. Everyone's back. Are you surprised that they were able to, to retain their, their entire core and even add an additional score in Nick Young? No, not at all. I, honestly, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that they, they did what they did. Durant said he was going to take less money. Well, quote-unquote less money. I mean, he's only making $30 million this year, Bob. I mean, gosh, you <laughs> feel sorry for the guy. So, yes, a huge sacrifice by Kevin Durant for these guys to come back. Uh, but the point is, uh, oh, 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 you know, sarcasm aside, uh, once Kevin Durant realized that $30 million is enough and he doesn't need to be too greedy. Uh, I mean, it was a no-brainer. Of course, those guys were going to come back. Why would you leave this team if you're Andre Iguodala? You're the fifth best player on it. And that's no knock to Iggy. He's a really good player. And, and Sean Livingston as well. I, I mean, it's just it just made too much sense. They could get paid and probably I mean, easily be the favorites to win next year's NBA championship. For sure. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors... Uh 
they're done with uh, all the moves that they can make. They're they're way down there in terms of negative cap space now. They they shelled out massive amounts of money uh, to these guys to bring them back in. Uh, but they're one of the best teams we've ever seen. So uh, I yeah, they're definitely going to be uh, the favorites to, to to repeat next season. Not surprising that that those guys came back uh, for any of those contracts at all. Um, talking about a couple other pieces of news uh, in the NBA. Uh, David Griffin was rumored to be uh, interviewing with the, the New York Knicks. He's no longer uh, in discussions with them, turning down. Uh, I, I guess they were unable to come to terms on a role in a contract, which sounds familiar to what happened with him in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Surprised that Griff is essentially going to, looks like he's going to sit out uh, this season a, as a general manager. Not surprising. Uh, you see this a lot with coaches. And, 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 you know, Griffin got fired late in the process. A lot of teams had begun their search during the playoffs, and the fact that Cleveland wouldn't let anyone talk to him kind of handicapped him. So I, I think it's smart to wait out and, 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 and then kind of be the prized free agent when everyone has openings instead of just settling for a job, especially settling for the Knicks, because honestly, Bob, that yeah. job's radioactive right now. I don't think anyone wants any part of it. Yeah, uh, Griff's a smart guy, and I think he made another smart move uh, saying no to the New York Knicks. There will be plenty of GM gigs uh, opening up uh, during the season and after the season. He'll be back in the NBA making uh, trades and moves for, for some team in the near future. Uh, and then last piece of news here, Markel Fultz, the number one overall pick uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, injured his low, his ankle uh, in, in a summer league game. He's going to miss a couple weeks, second straight year, number one overall pick, gets injured uh, in preseason, and both times it's happened to the 76ers. Adding to that, Joel Embiid, also uh, their, their high draft pick a couple of seasons ago, dealing with lots of leg injuries as well. Chris, uh, is, is this a trend for Philadelphia and their process? Well, obviously it's a trend. Um, it's not a good trend, and you don't wish this on anyone. Um, it, it's unfortunate news, Bob. I mean, you never want to see the guy get hurt in summer league. I mean, Ben Simmons, I was really excited to see him play last year. And then when he got hurt, it, it kind of took you know, it took some of the life out of the season. He, he would have would have been intriguing, and and Philadelphia Embiid finally gets healthy, and and this is a team that maybe was starting to build, you know, get its core together uh, with Fultz kind of being the cherry on top. Um, I, I hope he's okay, and I hope he's back in time to play. Even if he misses all in November, if he comes back December first, that's fine. I don't care. Um, take your time with him. He's your future. But but man, it, it just. If you're a Philadelphia fan, I mean, how many times can you get punched below the belt like this? This is just, this is just awful, and and you, you don't wish this on anyone. And and I, I really feel bad for the for the 76ers uh, organization and fans because this is just torture right now. It, it, it really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this injury in terms of the Embiid and Simmons injuries is is nowhere near as serious. Uh, he, he's going to be unable to play basketball activity uh for for two weeks um there's an entire season for him to come back and for this core to develop and uh get some meaningful games in together um i think the only reason we're talking about it now is because of the history of injuries to simmons and Embiid. but in terms of this one the injury to markel fultz not all that serious it's just ironic and comical at this point that it's another highly drafted 76ers rookie uh heading to the the doctor's table early on uh, in, in the NBA season. Yeah, it's it's obviously news you don't want to see. Even if it's just even if it's not as serious as they initially thought, 
um, because the initial reports thought that he sprained it really bad, but but it looks like, as you said, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and obviously there's a lot of time between now and, and the beginning of the NBA season. Uh, so he should be okay, but he just don't want to see it, man. Especially it's, it would be the yeah. second year in a row it's happened to the same team and the number one overall pick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's turn some attention now to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, not a whole lot going on, but Miles Garrett saying his foot is doing a all right. Uh, an all right is a quote from, from him. Uh, a relief for you, Chris, that his his injured foot's doing okay. Well, it's good news. I mean, I'd rather it be doing all right than not okay at all. So uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. how reliable his account of it is, but uh, there's there's certainly a video circulating about him doing some leg presses. So uh, certainly good if, if he can if he can lift with it. Uh, that that's another good sign as well. Um, look, the Browns are going to be very careful with this guy drafting a guy number one overall. Man, what is it with number one overall picks and hurting their foot? It's not a good time to be a number one overall pick. And if you are, wear a very, very strong shoe. Uh, but but obviously, uh, I think Browns fans can breathe a sigh of relief. It looks like Garrett um, will more than likely uh, be ready for the regular season. Yeah, for sure. Um we real quick uh you know we talked a little bit about mlb all-star game but the home run derby is one of my favorite events chris do, do you have a pick for who's going to win the home run derby court will be in session tonight i'm going with aaron judge yeah that's hard to to not pick him uh dude, dude has had an amazing out of this world season so far uh is a monster and has just crushed home runs, but to be different, I'm going with Miguel Sano, uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, the third baseman there, uh, second only to Aaron Judge in exit velocity. So I think he's going to mash some home runs tonight as well um, and, and be one of those sleepers that, that wins it. Your appeal is denied. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Chris, uh, I'll turn this over to you. Give us some updates from Wimbledon. Rafael Nadal is out. He lost 15 to 13 in the fifth set. Bob, that's like playing two sets in one. It's crazy. I love that Wimbledon and the other slams not named the U.S. Open don't play a tiebreaker in the fifth set because sometimes you get a 71 to 69 fifth set in Wimbledon. Actually happened a few, like seven or eight years ago. So (laughs) Rafael Nadal is out, which means Andy Murray is looking like a very strong favorite to come out of that upper half of the bracket uh bottom half it, it, it's it's tighter than people think but but obviously Federer and Djokovic who was the only guy who didn't get his match in thanks to Nadal going forever uh Djokovic will play tomorrow but all one cool tradition about Wimbledon is Monday is called Manic Monday every match every player plays in the single side they they play all of the round of 16 both men's and women's today so it's it's really fun to watch and follow um but Men's side, it looks like uh, Djokovic and Federer are probably on a collision course for the semis. Women's side, uh, world number one, Angelique Kerber, lost. And so that just opens everything up because uh, it was already kind of a crazy women's tournament with Serena not being there. Um, and, and Simona Help, once again, has a pretty good shot at winning a Grand Slam. Let's see if she can capitalize this time around. Bob, I love tennis. It's one of my favorite sports. It's killing me. I don't have cable anymore, so mm. haven't been able to watch a lot of it. But uh, I'll certainly be able to watch the finals this weekend, some way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah, I know, I know you love tennis. I know Wimbledon's one of your favorites, so uh, I defer to you uh, with those updates. Great update, though. 
um, we'll move to our fake headline now. So what do you got, Chris? I want to see Roger Federer win another Wimbledon. He won the Australian Mm. Open this year. I think it would be great for him late in his career to pull kind of like a Pete Sampras and win what would be considered his kind of home Grand Slam. Wimbledon is where he has been the most dominant. He's gotten the most kind of fame there. Uh, he has been like the king of the grass uh, court. And so it would be nice to to come back and record and, and, and to see that uh, Roger Federer wins uh, another Wimbledon and, and just kind of puts the cherry on top of what is can only be considered the greatest career in tennis history. Yeah, that dude is amazing. It's amazing that he's still this good. Uh, can win two Grand Slams in in, in this season. Uh, yeah, th- that that'll be fantastic. My fake headline is uh, Jose Ramirez for a All Star MVP. Uh, I think that would be great to see. And we were talking a little bit about the Indians not getting uh, much love on the national stage in terms of Sunday night baseball. Uh, what better way to prove everyone wrong by one of their five All Stars being named MVP on? Uh, one of the biggest baseball events of the season. Didn't Corey Kluber get the win in the All-Star game last year? He pitched like one inning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he pitched like one inning in the second <laughs> inning or something like that. You got to love the All-Star game, man. But, hey, yeah. hopefully your fake headline comes true because that would be fantastic if Jose Ramirez won the All-Star game MVP. Yeah, for sure. And then hopefully that's not the only MVP award he wins this year. But we'll have to wait a couple months. It'll be tough to top Aaron Judge because uh, – I'm going to do it again. Courts in session for all of baseball. I can't. I just can't use <laughs> the puns. All right. But anyway, man, we are done with another episode of Clee Talk. And next week, we will be back. No more off time. The Iron Man streak is back. But until then, you can catch up on all our oral episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com or subscribe to our podcast via iTunes through FenleyRoadSports.com or by searching Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and clicking Clee Talk. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. We thank you for your support. Come back next week and every week for more Cleveland Sports Talk here on Clee Talk. We thank you for your support. Watch the All-Star Game. And, of course, go Jose Ramirez, win MVP, and go Tribe. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.